Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Ontario's stay-at-home order could be extended if the case numbers don't drop. The challenge now we're dealing with variants of concern, and they are by far the predominant. That means their propensity to spread is much higher. And so I think our target, in my mind, has to be lower than that thousand. We're trying to talk with our public health measures table to say what that might be before we'd be satisfied. The Heritage Minister backtracks on comments that some social media users could be regulated under Bill C-10. Every time he goes out to, quote, clarify the intent of C-10, he makes things worse. Within 24 hours, he had to issue two clarifications and an apology. It's obvious this minister doesn't know what's in his very own bill. And can Harjit Sajjan survive as defense minister? We are absolutely committed to making sure that we create the culture change uh, that's needed in the Canadian Armed Forces, making sure that we have an absolute inclusive uh, working environment that's harassment-free for all women in the Canadian Armed Forces, and that's a goal that we will continue to work towards. It's Tuesday, May the 11th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Mark. So let's talk about some of the different aspects of where we stand with the pandemic right now. In Ontario, there's a lot of talk of how the government's going to extend the stay-at-home order into June. Uh, In other parts of the country, of course, there are uh, there, there are still infection rates that are too high. Canadian officials are looking at some of the data on the vaccines. More vaccines are coming into the country, and there is talk now that it might be okay. Of There, there are studies that are being done on whether you can have a different kind of vaccine for your second shot from the first one. So uh, there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel in terms of vaccines, but still this kind of long, slow march towards freedom from this pandemic, isn't there? (laughs) Yeah, it does seem like the closer we get to that light, the farther away it looks. I think, especially, you know, start in Ontario, where you and I are sitting right now, uh, all indications are that the government is not going to be able to lift the lockdown, the stay-at-home order, anytime soon it was supposed to be i think a week tomorrow or yeah a week tomorrow it was going to be lifted and that would give canadians their hallowed cherished may 24th weekend that's uh, or ontarians uh, that's i all indications are you can see it yourself in the numbers if you look in in any of the the big hot spots in ontario that the numbers haven't been falling enough for that to be lifted. So it's sounding like June 2nd, and I think the only thing we're waiting for now is for the Ford government to announce it. And you're right, the other thing that happened last week, and you and I were talking about it right after it happened, was the emerging doubt about AstraZeneca vaccine, which is in the arms of 1.5 or 6 million Canadians right now. And, uh, There's the doubt about that and the supply. So we've got studies now saying that maybe Pfizer or Moderna, which are different types of vaccines, could be used for a second shot. I think we're waiting for a study out of the UK on that. Yeah. uh, Soon. Anyway, it's all to say we still may get the summer we all want. But as with everything in this pandemic, it's not going to come soon enough for a lot of people. And this 
this part is hard. You know, you, you watch those press conferences across the country and premiers with long faces are trudging to the podiums to say, I'm sorry, we thought we would be farther along, but we have to keep things locked down. It's a hard pill to swallow in Alberta, where the case count is alarmingly high. So, yes, it's a, it's a, it's a long, long pandemic. It's a, it's a long spring, and summer is summer is still possible, but we've got some um, weeks to go before that. Yeah. The the level of confidence in the vaccine system, though, in this country is is still pretty high, according to a new Leger poll. And I find that interesting because in, in other places like the United States, for example, there's a lot more suspicion about it. They're having to offer people incentives, baseball tickets, beer to get them to come and get vaccinated. Um, in, in Canada, I, I think we're seeing evidence of just how, generally speaking, uh, Canadians are more likely to trust their government and conform to what's expected of them to contribute to the solution, right? Yeah, and I do think it's Canadians seeing other countries, uh, oddly enough, that are, are are emerging out of lockdown, which is feeding vaccine, you know, a keenness and eagerness for people yeah. to get vaccinated. Uh, Britain, uh, Boris Johnson is... Um, you know, who would believe we'd ever see a day where people were waiting for official word from the government before they could hug again? But uh, but in Britain, uh, Boris Johnson talked yesterday about people getting to go indoors and, and have a pint in a pub again. And Canadians are seeing that. They're putting two and two together and seeing that... Uh, they can live a normal life if enough people get vaccinated. It's not just one person getting vaccinated, as we've discussed. It's it's everybody around you has got to be vaccinated, and we're only talking first dose here. Yeah, we're we're getting we're getting close to half the population being vaccinated, but seventy five percent of Canadians have to be fully vaccinated before we have anything like normal again. So, All right, Susan. Again, yeah. Moral of the story: long way to go. Exactly. Uh, let's turn to the discussion around Bill C-10 uh, and and the the Heritage Minister Stephen Gilbeau has backtracked already on what he said earlier when uh, there people interpreted it as potentially regulation of social media users. Uh, he says that's never going to happen now. Uh, there are still legal and privacy concerns that that need to be explored about this bill that would. Uh, that would bring the power of the government, uh, as as it often applies to br- more traditional broadcasting, into the realm of online platforms like YouTube and social media. So where do we stand on this now? Oh, this is such a confusing story. Uh, the, the minister has um, an op-ed in our paper, The Star Today, too, again, further clarifying there's the old saying in politics, if you're explaining, you're losing. And I think we've seen, this is a very hard bill to explain, and that is because we're we're trying to do two things at once. We are trying to update the Broadcasting Act for a 21st century. And broadcasting is not what it was. Here, you and I are talking right now um, in in a medium that was unheard of 20 years ago. Now, are we consumers of social media or are we producers? And everybody has that test in their own head. Um, and that's, that's 
the, the um, that's the problem at the heart of this controversy mm. is sometimes pe- people are saying yes, um, there should be more regulation on big companies and big users, uh, big producers of social media, but that shouldn't there shouldn't be any regulation on me. The problem is is that in our daily lives we flit in and out of being users and producers of of internet content. So that's where this bill is getting stuck. And we're going to see this week that uh, the justice minister is going to come up with a, a come to the committee. I, I believe it's on Friday, as well as the minister with an, an updated report on how this bill C10 affects your charter rights. And the line from the government is, look, we're not about, this is not about you. It's about the power of the big tech companies. And everybody hates the big tech companies now. And Gibault in his op-ed in the Star today says this is about Canadian artists, Canadian content. So he's, he's saying if you're a patriot and you don't like the power of big tech, you'll love this bill. The conservatives are saying if you're somebody who imagines that you could be a star on YouTube someday or, or even just a, a free speech person, you are going to be afraid of this bill. And I, I'm not sure that all the clarification in the world is not going to solve the problem at the heart of this controversy. But um, Friday will be a day of alleged more clarification. But I, I think there's going to be a lot more talk about it still. Yeah. All right. I think there's also going to be a lot more talk about uh, Harjit Sajjan in his role as defense minister. Um, I think there have been people who have been talking almost since he became defense minister about whether he would survive. And here we are more than five years into Justin Trudeau's time as prime minister, and Sajjan is still in that role. Um, there, there has been increased scrutiny, of course, as a result of what's been happening recently with the allegations into uh, sexual misconduct and other inappropriate behavior in the senior ranks of the Canadian military. Um, what do you see happening in the days ahead here? Is is Justin Trudeau going to consider a cabinet shuffle? Is is Sajjan going to survive in this role? And what are the other kind of developments and implications of, of the investigations that are happening into the Canadian Armed Forces? So, and again, a really tough one because there's we've talked about this before. There's a million things happening at once in this controversy. There's the culture in the military. There's the culture in politics. So uh, there's now an, another Supreme Court justice and, and all kinds of, you know, more study being done about how to fix the problems in the military. And you're right. Now the all eyes are focused on Harjit Sajjan. Can he survive? He is, he is in the post longer than a lot of defense ministers. It's not a post where you see people like finance staying for years and years and years. So even without this, one would think that Justin Trudeau at some point would be thinking of moving the Minister of Defense. The problem, if he does that now, is that it looks like he is blaming the minister for what happened in there. And already a lot of people are. I, it, uh, he's under fire every day in the House of Commons. He's under fire in commentary. There's been um, a lot of editorial saying somebody, you know, you can't go um, cutting off the heads of everybody in the military and spare politics this, um, the same punishment. So 
I don't have an inside sense. I don't get any sense from talking to people inside government that Mr. Sajjan's days are numbered. But one would think, just from listening and watching as this story drags on, that, that you know, he's probably due to be shuffled out when Justin Trudeau next has the opportunity. He tends to do these things in summer and in January. So, that, you know, we may see a shuffle, but yeah. we're also all waiting for an election. So, yeah. All right, we'll That's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there are, again, clues in both directions around that as well. So um, we'll see. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. We know that we have a lot more work to do, Mr. Speaker, but we will get it done. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today in the Ottawa Citizen. Stephen Sademan argues it's time to appoint a new chief of the defense staff. Sademan writes, The government has put the military in another impossible situation. Chief of Defense Staff Admiral Art McDonald is on ice, while an investigation continues into his conduct years ago. Even if he is cleared, he would no longer be beyond reproach. Changing the culture of the Canadian Armed Forces is going to be a long-term effort, requiring leadership at the top and throughout the chain of command. It needs to start now. In the Globe and Mail, André Picard asks if we should ditch AstraZeneca before it drags down the whole vaccine campaign. Picard writes, AstraZeneca accounts for about 12% of the vaccines administered in Canada and about 99% of the grief. There's no question that getting COVID-19 is a much greater risk than getting a vaccine. But what happens if, because of their fears, people don't get vaccinated at all? If AstraZeneca's woes are creating vaccine hesitancy and we have alternatives available, then is it worth having it on offer? In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues, Bill C-10 is a mess that needs to be shelved. The Sun writes, The cabinet minister responsible for the legislation doesn't himself appear to have a firm grasp on what's going on with Bill C-10. His explanations, examples and clarifications have been confusing and only serve to make people more suspicious of a solution that nobody asked for to a problem that doesn't exist. The whole thing has become a confusing mess and just needs to be shelved. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. This morning, lawyers and civil rights advocates will hold a news conference in defense of Canadian citizen Hassan Diab. As CPAC's Martin Stringer reports, after he spent 10 years unjustly imprisoned in France on terrorism charges that were thrown out, French authorities are now trying to put Diab on trial again. Mark, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Hassam Diab's lawyer, as well as the head of the Canadian chapter of Amnesty International and the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, will hold a virtual press conference to talk about Diab's latest legal nightmare faced with the French judicial system. In 2008, Diab was extradited by the Canadian government to France, where he stood accused of a deadly terrorist bombing in a Paris synagogue. Diab has consistently and repeatedly maintained his innocence, but that didn't stop the French authorities from detaining him in solitary confinement without charge or trial for over three years, and then for a further seven years attempting unsuccessfully to try him. Finally, in 2018, for a third time, two French judges threw out the case against Diab and Diab was able to return to Canada. He's always maintained that he was in Beirut at university studying and not in Paris at the time of the attack. That was borne out by witness testimony and documentation. 
But now, in this latest twist, another level of French court has reopened the investigation and ordered Diab to stand trial again. Diab is already suing the Canadian government for what many legal experts say was a wrongful extradition to France in the first place. So, Mark, it will be interesting at this press conference to hear how friends and allies of Hassan Diab, a Canadian citizen, plan to try to defend him from his late, the latest initiative of the French judicial system. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the Prime Minister of Singapore before holding a news conference to talk about the COVID-19 situation, along with Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominic Leblanc. The Prime Minister will also attend question period. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend question period virtually and will also appear virtually at the House of Commons Standing Committee on Finance. Transport Minister Omar Al-Gabra and National Revenue Minister Diane Le Boutelier will host a virtual news conference to announce new funding programs to support Canadian airports. And Environment Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will take part in a fireside chat with the President and CEO of Nature Conservancy of Canada at the Making Nature Investable Virtual Summit. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, May 11th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.